How many stories have you heard about 2016 Trump voters or former Republicans now deciding now to go and vote for Joe Biden or support the Democrats? I'll be honest. I've heard a couple, not personally, though. It's typically just, you know, media buys or the Democrats putting out a message. It doesn't seem to be a consistent theme. We do, however, see the walk away campaign, which is encouraging people to leave the left. And we're seeing many people leave the Democratic Party and join the Republican Party. And according to Axios, voter registrations among Republicans are up, closing the gap between Republicans and Democrats, not because of new voters, but because Democrats are quitting the party and joining the Republican Party. Now, we all heard about Jeff Van Drew, one of the highest profile instances of a Democrat quitting and becoming a Republican. And there have been many stories about smaller town jurisdictions and county officials who have been switching from Democrat to Republican. And often these stories, get, they get overlooked. And I think the reason is videos like mine often focus on national level politics. But I couldn't help but notice there seems to be a grassroots trend. When I look at the voting data, registration data from Axios, I had to wonder about local officials. And sure enough, stories are popping up about sheriffs, sheriff departments, councilmen and small towns and county officials all switching from Democrat to Republican. Now, it's hard to know if this is just because we're focused on it. Maybe the Democrats aren't publicizing the fact that Republicans are joining them, but I don't think that's true. I mean, they tried to. At the DNC, they ran all of these testimonials from never Trumper old people who are like, I voted for Trump and I regret it. But I don't believe Trump gret is a real thing. That's what they call it. Trump gret, like regret and Trump. You know, it's kind of dumb. So I'll tell you what. I know a lot of people who voted for Trump in 2016. Some of them, some of them are unhappy with Trump, but still committed to voting for him. That's about the, the closest I've seen to that phenomenon of people like quitting Trump. I've not seen anybody quit, you know, the, the Trump train or anything like that. But I'll tell you this. Many people that I know personally who voted for Hillary or Bernie back in 2016 have switched for Donald Trump. That says to me that anecdotally, I see this happening. And then in the news, we see more and more stories about this happening. But what does this mean when the polls consistently favor Joe Biden? It's like what the media is saying is totally detached from reality. Now, first and foremost, the polls are insanely broken. I swear, go look at the RCP average for Trump. And it's like Trump plus four, Trump minus 16, Trump plus two, Trump minus eight. And I'm like, who are they polling? That their polling is just so wild and out of touch. No one has any idea who's going to win. And part of me wonders, considering we've seen the media actually try and support Joe Biden. I mean, come on, they're overtly supporting the guy. They cheated for, for, for uh, Hillary Clinton last time. I wonder how much of this is lies, desperately trying to convince us Trump can't win all over again. But we can see it every step of the way. I'm going to take you to, I'm going to take you down to Indiana, some small town jurisdictions where individuals have jumped ship and guess what they're saying. It basically sounds like they're Dave Rubin. No, no joke. They're like, I'm leaving the left or I'm sorry. They're saying I didn't leave the left. The left left me. The Democratic Party has gone too far left. It sounds just like everything we have heard from so many different people. They lie about Donald Trump. It's not true. The media is frustrating and people don't trust them anymore. And the Democratic Party is negotiating with and embracing, oh, like these these violent far left extremists. We see we see the videos of them going around. The Internet is a thing. But for some reason, they think we just don't. Truth be told, there are a lot of people who just watch mainstream news and are still trapped in that bubble. But the rest of us who have kind of graduated to doing our own research, watching videos online, we're now saying 
hey, wait a minute, something's not right. And then people are getting fed up because sooner or later, the far left narrative breaks into the mainstream, like defund the police. And what do you think a sheriff is going to say when he hears that? He's like, no way, man. I like my job and I like getting paid. I'm going to go vote for the Republican from now on, right? That's, that's what's happening. Well, sure enough, we have another poll coming out from CBS showing that people, when it comes to COVID, trust Trump more than they trust the press. And this is an ongoing theme. People do not trust the media anymore. Considering the polls, I'm, I think Trump is going to win. But that's probably why we're seeing all this weird, you know, uh, vote by mail fiasco stuff happening. The, the weird scandals. There's like a weird story about a truck dumping a bunch of mail in like the back of a parking lot or something. Yeah, creepy stuff going on. It seems like the Democrats are playing dirty games because they know they're going to lose and the media trying to defend them. Let's read some of these stories before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can you can support me as a P.O. box if you'd like to send me stuff. The best thing you can do, share this video. I do not have a large marketing department like these big networks do. I just have word of mouth. So if you think I'm doing a really good job and you think people should hear what I have to say, sharing this video is the best thing you can do. But don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And let's read this story. Sheriff Dave Wedding pledges allegiance to Republican Party, rips Democrats on way out. Now, let me clarify a couple of things because you may be asking yourself, you may be asking me, Tim, why does it matter if a small town sheriff is quitting the Democratic Party? Certainly this one guy doesn't have a big influence on the party nationally. What you need to understand is that if the bottom of the party breaks out, there, there's nothing supporting the higher level politicians. I don't think we're going to see a successful federal level Democrat if the, if the grassroots level keeps getting ripped out. You see what I mean? There's a there's a jurisdiction in Minnesota that CNN actually they went down on the ground. Surprise. I'm, I'm surprised CNN actually did this. And they talked to people and found they were voting for Democrats locally, but were voting for Trump for president. And that's that that to me says everything. If you have a local politician who is speaking to your cause and your issues, they'll support you. But at the top, they were supporting Donald Trump. That means Trump was getting support from Democrats. So think about what happens in the inverse. If you start getting all of the regular people across this country, not particularly impactful at the national level, but they leave the party, then the Democrats are going to start losing key figures in getting senators and Congress people elected. You see what I mean? They're not going to have that same support. They're not going to have the interest. And you need sheriffs. You need people on your side. When you start losing the grassroots, well, then the whole plant is being ripped up. So let's read Evansville, Indiana. Vanderburg County Sheriff Dave Wedding officially declared himself a Republican on Thursday and accused his former party of endorsing flag burning, failing to acknowledge God and not supporting police. Elected twice as a Democratic candidate, Wedding spoke to a large gathering of Republican officials and activists on the front lawn of American Patriot Group, a company led by major GOP donor Steve Chancellor. Wedding is constitutionally limited to two terms as sheriff. His final term ends 2022. He made no mention of future political plans in his speech. In an interview after his speech, he said he's keeping options open, but has no specific intention this time. Wedding, after being praised by Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch as a dedicated lawman who exemplifies Republican principles and values, began his speech by noticing the massive U.S. flag flapping in the breeze above him. Democrats want to burn that thing every day, Wedding said. I can't tolerate that. Burning our flag, the symbol of our country, the greatest country in the world. Here, here, good sir. I completely agree. Now, 
my, my, I, well, I shouldn't say completely. I can tolerate flag burning, flag burning. The burning of the American flag symbolizes the freedom it represents. Personally, I don't like it, but I like the freedom it represents. So I get it. So long as it's controlled and safe. I don't like the idea of people starting fires in the middle of the street. That's problematic. And cops will put it out if they do that. I would never burn the flag, nor would I want to be friends with someone who probably enthusiastically would. That seems a little extreme for me, but I recognize the right to express yourself in such a way. But anyway, it's interesting to hear from a Democratic sheriff saying, no way, no way. Wedding then recognized his parish pastor in the crowd. The left wing, you can't say God. They can't say God in the Pledge of Allegiance. What is wrong with that? It's ridiculous. I sit and I watch and say, how could I even be a part of idiots like that? He went on. I'm tired of seeing fire set in our streets. I'm tired of people defying God, our church, our police, our government, and everything we stand for. You hardworking people that have worked from the time you're young until now to be successful individuals. And they want to get on you for being successful. I don't believe in that. I believe most of my Republican friends are hardworking individuals that believe in our country. And I believe in our country and in Evansville, Indiana. Wedding praised Mayor Lloyd Winnick standing behind him, as well as Chancellor, who Wedding said supported his campaigns for uh, his campaigns for sheriff, despite being a Democratic candidate. Wedding mentioned the civil unrest in major U.S. cities, and he said defunding police always seemed to be a theme theme of the left wing liberals. He said they can't say God. They can't. Remember that gaffe? I mentioned this before. Remember that gaffe where Joe Biden said, you know, we're all created by go, you know, the thing, the thing we say. A bunch of people said he doesn't even remember the word God. He can't even remember. Well, hold on. He said, go. You know why? He, he wanted to say God, but he knew the Democratic Party would not entertain that at all. They would be put off by it. So he said, you know, we're all created equally under go. You know, the thing we say. <laughs> no, I don't say it. That's right. You can't. Now, the DNC did say under God in the pledge when they opened up every night, but there were a couple caucuses where they omitted that. Uh, and, I, and I think several people noted under God was added in like the 50s for some, you know, because of the Cold War and stuff like that. The point is they did. The media immediately ran out and claimed Trump was lying when he pointed it out. But that actually happened. But let's not rehash things. I want to show you. So I want to show you the facts. Here's Axios. They say Trump won Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, Arizona, and Iowa in 2016, blah, blah, blah. The voter registration gap between Democrats and Republicans has narrowed in some of these key states, according to Trump victory and Axios reviews of those state records. There's the facts. A lot of it has to do with voters switching parties or dropping out of the electorate, not necessarily a surge of new voters registering as Republicans, nor indicating new Trump voters, according to Dave Wasserman of the Cook Political Report. There it is. Axios straight up saying, People are switching parties. Now, this is regular voters, not just elected officials. But of course, I got you some elected officials. Check this out. From Chicago Tribune, Hobart mayor switches political parties. Snedecor, now a Republican, August 13th. Amazing. And, and guess what he said? The left has gone too far left. The Democrats are, in, are embracing this, this far left ideology. He's right. I feel the same way. You know, all of these people stood up and announced they would switch to the Republican Party well before I said I would vote for Trump. I don't consider myself to be a Republican nor a conservative, nor would I ever want to register as any political party, but I'll definitely vote for Trump. I particularly don't like the current slate of Republican politicians. There's a small handful like Rand Paul's cool, Matt Gates is cool, uh, Dan Crenshaw is pretty cool, Josh Hawley. There's a, there's a handful I could name, 
more more than I can for the for the Democrats, to be completely honest. I, I don't even know if I could name any Democrats. I'd say something like Tulsi, but she's leaving, I guess. So I guess we're looking at a new wave of Republicans who believe in, in, in what used to be or what liberals used to believe in. But the left has gone nuts. Defund the police. Well, now you're losing small town mayors. Hobart is a is a small town in Indiana. It's it's like Chicago Metro. So it would be like hearing, well, I'm, I, I, there's no point using an analogy for any other city, because if you don't live there, what's the point of saying a city you don't live in? Anyway, the issue is you've got from the small towns, the Democratic Party is losing their core. They're losing any foothold in these in these small town places. More importantly, the Iron Range had six cities. Their mayors endorsed Donald Trump. What that says to me is that the heart and soul of this country the, the heartland, the, you know, the bulk of this country, the small town individuals, the hardworking individuals, they see that the Democrats have gone nuts. And this is, it's actually very telling. Urban centers do not represent the majority of this country. But these big urban centers where most of the rioting occurs, that where the, where the politicians are, are feckless and allowing it to happen, they embrace this far left absurd ideology. I'll tell you what, you go to these small towns and you will find people do not believe in any of that. And you know how you can just easily understand that's the case? Because they're quitting the Democratic Party. They look up at the national level and say, what is the Democratic Party doing federally? Negotiating with extremists who are burning our flag in the streets. That is, that, that is something I think we can tolerate, but not accept. You know what I mean? What I mean by that is, if I'm going to be putting together a group of individuals for any kind of task or objective, I don't want crazies who go around burning the flag and screaming. I'm sorry. Now, there's some circumstances, I guess, if you're a libertarian and you're like, I'm going to burn the flag if I want. And I understand your point of view in that regard. I'm all about you know freedom and liberty, so I can respect that. But I don't want these anti-America types, right? They don't either. So the small town Democrats, like the sheer, they're leaving. Check it out. I'm not even done. Look at this. Here's another story. Republican Party attracts another Lake County elected official. Only a week later, this, this guy was apparently, uh, they say, Lowell Town Council President Mike Gruska, twice elected as a Democrat, on Monday announced his decision to change parties. I mean, here it is, man. Listen, these are just individual stories. And when I look at the data, we, we can see what Axio says, that Republicans are closing the gap because they're attracting more people, you know, from the Democratic Party. It may be marginal. It may not be the biggest thing ever. But when you combine this with everything we've seen, it's just grains of sand being added to that heap. Remember all those C-SPAN callers who kept calling in saying, I'm quitting the Democrats. They've gone nuts. Look at what's happening in Minneapolis. They're disbanding the police. What regular person wants to live without cops? Even when the when these extremists, okay, you see that video the other day where the guy, where the guy throw, in Portland throws a Molotov? And then some dude gets hit and he's running and his, his feet are on fire. The cops come to help him and they let the cops do it. What happens when violence breaks out and these far leftists get attacked? They go, quick, quick, call the police. Everybody wants police to be there. It is great to have a neutral arbiter who can come and enforce the law. Now, they're not perfect and there's problems sometimes when you call cops. But think about how great it is. If you're having a dispute with someone, they, like it's like you've got someone to call who can sort of referee the situation and stop those who are breaking the law. It doesn't always work out perfectly, but what does? Now the far left is just going nuts and small towns are saying, no thanks. 
Now, I think the media is full of it, to be completely honest. And what I mean by that is there are elements within mainstream media that are just in the bag for Joe Biden. The Democrats are going to lie, say whatever they have to say. So I don't I don't believe these polls. I know it's 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 hard to understand. You know, sometimes the polls look good and I'm just sick of it. I see I see this poll came out where apparently like Joe Biden is now complaining that he's he's down in Michigan asking for money fundraising and that'll motivate people at will. But I'm just like, dude, you can find a poll for anything. Almost all of the polls say that Joe Biden is winning in Michigan and Biden comes out. I don't know if I I don't don't know if I have the tweet pulled up. No, I, I don't. Joe Biden comes out and he's like, we're down in Michigan. Quick, give us money. Yeah, yeah, dude, all the polls have you up. The, the media's got, like, got your back. Come on. But one poll comes out and he uses it to fundraise. Well, you know what? It's smart. Good for him. We see stories like this over and over. Check this out. This is from the Alabama Political Reporter. I, I don't know what this is. Many of these papers are small-town papers. Butler County Circuit Clerk switches to Republican Party. Oh, surprise, surprise. I mean, that's Alabama, though, so what do you expect? Here's another one. Louisiana sheriffs stand with Donald Trump uh, in first presidential endorsement in their history. Woo, getting spicy out here. Hey, what else we got? From the Salisbury Post, D.G. Martin. We didn't leave the party, it left us. Here, here, good sir. Absolutely. Even even earlier this year and last year, when I was support, actively supporting these Democrats, enthusiastically like, woohoo, Yang and Tulsi. And then what happened? I think Tulsi's done a really good job. I don't agree with all her policies, but I could see that she was trying as hard as possible to, you know, pull the left and the right and hold them to stop them from splitting off and going in other directions. She had policy positions I didn't agree with, but she was more than willing to talk to Republicans and try and be some kind of bridge. And we desperately needed that. And of course, the Democratic Party wouldn't have any of that. So they just, you know, burned that bridge right up. Yang, on the other hand, just went straight to CNN and just went right in line with endorsing a lot of these uh, uh, tribalists and everything like that. And I was just like, OK, whatever, man, there, there, there's there's no I'm not I'm you know, it's, it's funny. They say that I'm actively supporting Trump or whatever and, and stuff like that. Well, I'm going to vote for him. There's a lot of things about him that I would never support. I don't like the way he speaks and the things he said in the past. But I do believe we don't got to we don't got to we don't really have an option this time. And I mean it. I mean, you look at Joe Biden negotiating with these extremists and I'm just like, OK, you finally got me off the fence. Normally, I, I was saying this. I will never vote for the lesser of two evils. To be honest, I think Trump has done enough good to where I'm like, eh, I'll go vote for the guy. The left, on the other hand, has gone so insane and we can see it over and over. This is important. What I'm showing you from like the Salisbury Post and these local papers is showing you that outside of the Politico beltway, this this bubble world where these journalists live and they're like, actually, Joe Biden is favored by most people. No, go talk to people. New York Times did it. They went to Kenosha. What did they find? People were like, why is my city burning down and why won't the Democrats do anything about it? Then you look at these 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 cities, these small towns, the sheriffs are quitting. The councilmen are quitting. I did a story about a, a state level politician in uh, Pennsylvania who uh, this is this is like earlier in the year, quit the Democrats, w- went independent and is caucusing with Republicans. There were tons of other stories where a bunch of city councilmen switched parties. I keep seeing these things. Now, normally when I see these stories, I'm not like, you know, I'll do a video talking about the sheriff because the sheriff is so important to the world. I'm like, it's local news and local affairs. But it got to a point where I'm seeing like, I don't know if you saw the video, the walkaway campaign. They got attacked by Black Lives Matter. And I see all these stories and I'm like, maybe it's time we start highlighting how regular people in this country feel. Obviously not everyone and not everywhere. 
But I tell you, man, when you hear the same thing over and over again, how many times in the past month? Now look what's happening. I don't know if you've been following the news, but apparently now you name the important voting block Trump has has won over. And a quote comes out where Trump disparaged them in a really dumb way. Like apparently Michael Cohen is now saying that Trump disparaged Mexicans or something. It's like calling them stupid. Shut up, dude. We get it. We're less than two months out now or whatever. We're about, yeah, less than two months out now from the election. Trump is doing really well among Latinos and really well among the black community. And, and now all of a sudden you name the group. Trump calls military vets dumb. He calls these, these selected groups dumb. He calls his own supporters dumb. I don't care. I don't believe you, media. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even necessarily believe the polls showing Trump doing well. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I can see this. This is really amazing. He goes on to say, look at this. Back in 1984, when I was running for Congress, I ran into older people who explained why they could not support me, saying I didn't leave the Democratic Party. It left me. Even in those days, the Democratic Party still had many conservatives who were loyal adherents. They had grown up in the times when the Democratic Party was more conservative than the other party. Some of those older Democrats were slow to give up their heritage and break away from the group in which they grew up. But the support in the Democratic Party for school desegregation, voting rights, civil rights, equal treatment in the workplace, and expanding the role of government in providing public resources to meet the need of the poor and underserved communities were viewed with skepticism by once loyal Democrats. Yeah, because the Democrats used to be the party of, well, I guess racism, to say the least. Anyway, I'll give you the gist of it. Back in 1984, people were saying the same thing. Uh, What happened back then? Well, not in 1984, but... uh, uh, we, we actually, actually, no, was it 1984? Well, we had the we had Reagan. He ended up winning a massive sweep. I think, I thought that was 88. I could be wrong. No, I think 88 was, was, was H.W. Bush. Anyway, I don't, have, I don't have the dates pulled up. I should remember these things considering I literally covered it just a couple days ago, but I've got too much to show you. It's going to be a little long segment. We've got to move on. Why I'm leaving the Democratic Party from the Tribune Chronicle. This is from April 12th. Wow. And then we have something really interesting here. Black voters grow frustrated with Democratic Party. This is a really interesting story because it's, it's another Indiana source. And they say that black voters actually view the Democrats as racist. Look at this. But like so many black people, Wills grew up in a home that supports and votes Democrats. She still votes for Democrats for the most part, though she also has a strong criticism of the party at both a local and national level, saying, I feel like for so long, the Democratic Party has just kind of banked on the fact that we are not Republicans kind of thing. And that's just getting really old. This kind of discontent appears to be more common. And Larison's appointment has been a rallying point. Now, I, I don't know about Larison or, you know, what the local politic, political issue is. I just thought the, the general idea was interesting. They go on to mention that they don't, uh, this pollster doesn't see that they're going to be moving away. But this is an interesting quote right here. Moving away from the Democrats, I mean. Most black people believe the Democratic Party is largely racist, Joyce said. But that doesn't mean there's an automatic home in, in the Republican Party which she said doesn't even allow conversations about racism, for example, to move forward because they're stuck on debating whether racism is even real. I find that interesting. You know why? There was a post by someone about how in New York, the black community is straight up saying they're either voting for Trump or not voting, but the GOP is doing nothing to reach out to them. That's crazy to me. You can see it right here. They're tired of the Democratic Party. Now, of course, we have people like Billy Prempe and Kimberly Klasick who are running, who are black conservatives running for Congress, who are saying straight up, let's 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 go in these communities. Let's talk about why we need some political competition. That's my my phrase, not theirs. 
But I think it's a good move. It's a smart move because even if they don't win, they still win in the sense it's a strategic victory. You've got people who are saying we've been underserved for too long. The Democrats aren't helping us out. Well, well, the GOP needs to do something. <laughs> the GOP needs to come in and actually address these issues. But I'm laughing now because I know what's coming next. Look at this. I'm just going to jump down to, to the most important part of this poll. Trust for information about the virus. National registered voters. In March, 46% of people trusted Trump and only 45 trusted the media. Now, ain't that something? But take a look at this. Now, 40% trust Trump. 35% trust the media. More importantly, the CDC is now down to 54%. And your governor is now down to 55 from 69. N- people don't trust any of this anymore. So I got no idea what's going on. But I'll tell you this. When the media comes out and Trump says naughty words and all that stuff, I'm not buying it. I'm not. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe the media. I, I think this actually a- accurately represents my view of everything. Think about it this way. 35% of the time, I do trust the media. I think it's a fair number. I look at these sources. I, I fact check them. And I'm, criti- I'm, I'm very skeptical of sources I can't vet. But about a third of the time, the information seems to be good so long as I can vet it. Now, Donald Trump, about 40% of the time, that actually makes sense. I n- have never been a big fan of the guy. And about 40%, I, so I trust Trump. I really do more than I trust the press for sure. But look, Trump came out the other day saying I never called John McCain a loser. He did. So Trump does these things, but come on. So does literally every other politician and president and whatever. So I, I don't care for, you know, if Trump's being Trump, I, I, I don't. I'm going to fact check. I'm going to verify. And if he does something I don't like, I'll say it. And if he does something I do like, I'll definitely say it. And he's done some things that I've liked. So I'll take it for what it is. The CDC, I actually think this number represents like the likelihood for me to actually to, to you know, to believe what's being said. Now, to be fair, though, your governor, no way. Zero percent. I don't trust my governor. I live in New Jersey at all. I think the dude's lying. The reason I highlight this, though, is just to show you that the media, nobody trusts anymore. All right. And that means people are starting to find out for themselves what's really going on. So all of these smear pieces that are coming out, I just don't buy it. But I want to leave with one very important thing. Donald Trump at 40 percent. Take a look at this video from Joe Biden saying, be a patriot, wear a mask. He's literally not wearing a mask while he's giving a speech at a lectern. This says something. Either Joe Biden is giving a speech to a room full of people where he looks around and talks to them and he's a hypocrite for not wearing a mask or there's nobody in the room and it's a fake speech. I don't care for that. Now, I understand the RNC had, you know, people walk to the podium and talk, but they talk to the camera. This is just plastic. And I'll tell you what, Donald Trump is authentic, lies and all. So we'll see how this plays out. But I'll tell you this right now, the Democrats and the media are working together in many ways. And when I say the media, I mean their allies at major news corporations that keep saying peaceful protest, that downplay what's happening, or, or just overtly collude with the, with the campaign like we saw in 2016. I don't care for it. So I'm out. I didn't, I didn't leave the party. They left me. I've been sitting here begging for help because I have family in some of these areas affected by the riots. I have friends in areas affected by the riots. And the Democrats just spit in my face saying it's a myth. Shut your mouth. But Donald Trump walked up and said, don't worry, law and order. We're going to send in the best. Everybody agrees. We're going to shut down these violent rioters. And I was like, all right, thanks, man. These guys just told me to F off. I'm not interested. But look, this is all. This, this, these are a lot of small stories. It's really hard to map what's actually happening. But I believe based on what we keep seeing over and over again, from small towns to the highest levels, 
People are leaving the Democratic Party, and that just seems to be a real phenomenon. But we'll see how things play out because this mail-in voting thing is busted. I'll tell you that. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. This is a tough story to cover. I couldn't decide if I should go over this, and the reason for it is it's hard to corroborate. The story from the Gateway Pundit Cassandra Fairbanks, militant leftist attempts to kill conservative activist after memorial for Trump supporter murdered by Portland Antifa. Now, I can't independently verify this. There's video of a proud boy who's got a neck brace being attended to by emergency medical services. I think it's safe to say what we do know, this man was seriously injured. Now, according to the Proud Boys, they were at a vigil for Aaron Danielson, the man killed in Portland, as we now know, thanks to CCTV footage or images that were released by the uh, in the arrest warrant. This guy, Michael Reinol, an Antifa Black Lives Matter extremist, stalked two Trump supporters before killing one of them. Well, the Proud Boys say they were holding a vigil. And while they were, somebody came, was, was filming them, taking pictures of them. And they asked this person to leave. I guess they believe it was a militant leftist. When this person got in the vehicle, got in their vehicle to leave, which was a truck, they hit a man who rolled over the vehicle, fell on his head and was bleeding from his ears. They say it was an attempt to kill him. Now, the challenge here is we have to be very, very careful. This is, this is preliminary reporting. Most of the sources that we have are members of the Proud Boys. It's entirely possible the guy was just like some regular dude who had seen the Proud Boys on the news and was panicking or something like that, perhaps. It's not entirely clear to me that it, you know, we have images of the person. We don't. We do have video of the person who was injured. But for all I know, this guy got hit by a car. It's not the same as what we saw in Portland, where you can actually see the far leftist dude fire the shots. It's not the same as what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse, where we see him being attacked and then running and then trying to defend himself. In this instance, we only have the word of many proud boys who happen to be there. So I'll look into this and try and figure out uh, and try to do some independent verification. But for now, I would just say, take it with a grain of salt. And the main reason I think it's important to cover this is that the mainstream media will not you know, big tech companies, they're not, I'm sorry, big media companies, digital, uh, digital media companies, they're not going to be covering this. The other day I did a segment where I looked at the Anti-Defamation League's heat map, which tracks hate, extremism, you know, and, and other stuff like that. They have included not one far left uh, incident in their reporting, not one, but we clearly have several. And that's why I think it's important to cover this, keeping in mind the bias of those involved. So, well, well, we'll leave it there. I've got more to talk about. There were, there were, obviously, there were riots last night. A man, uh, the, the far left has begun throwing Molotov cocktails. And in Detroit, a judge has ruled that police can no longer use crowd control measures. So this is going to get worse. I'm sorry, man. It's just the reality. Okay. Now, again, this is not, uh, I trust Cassandra Fairbanks. I've known her for a long time. And I believe she does her homework to verify what, what, you know, what happened is true. But for the time being, this is what the Proud Boys have said. And I think it's worth noting but again, great assault. Let's read. Gateway Pundit reports. A member of the Proud Boys is hospitalized with severe injuries from being hit by a car after attending a memorial by Aaron J. Danielson, for Aaron J. Danielson, the President Trump supporter who was murdered by Antifa in Portland. I also want to stress, there actually were images in this article. I can't show them on YouTube. So uh, for that, I apologize. Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario told the Gateway Pundit that the victim is bleeding from his brain damaged his left temporal lobe, has a concussion and is suffering from amnesia and cannot remember the incident. 
The Proud Boys are a pro-Trump male social group that frequently stands against Black Lives Matter and Antifa militants, which has made them a hated target of the left. They're a Western chauvinist fraternity, I think is the easiest way to describe them. The Gateway Pundit has been asked only to, to, uh, has been asked to only identify the victim by his first name, Shane, at this time. Following Danielson's memorial in Vancouver, Washington, a group of Proud Boys went to a bar downtown, uh, down the street. According to Tario, he said that a man who appeared to be a member of Antifa began taking photos and recordings on, uh, of the people inside. That says to me, if, it, if, you know, if there really was a guy who was taking pictures and filming them, yeah, he's probably in some way associated with, with Antifa or at least going to be posting things online. However, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So unless we have photos or videos of who this guy is, I am not too enthused about uh, just believing all of this to be true. That's, I'm just sorry. That's just the case. I do know, based on the video, a man was seriously injured. I do believe it's, it's likely this could be the far left. But the, the, look, again, the main reason I want to address stories like this is that things like that need to be said. And, and, and people need to be calmed down lest we get some kind of escalation. A man who witnessed the incident, Rex Fergus, told the Gateway Pundit that the man started walking around the bar and recording us, putting his phone in our faces, supposedly for doxing. As he was doing that, one of our guys confronted him and said, hey, get out of here. We don't want you filming us. This is a private establishment and we're not in public. The man continued to try to pick fights with people at the bar in the bar at the time until security finally kicked him out of the bar. As the man was kicked out of the bar, there were several Proud Boys in the parking lot smoking cigarettes and just arriving from the memorial service. Fergus explained that the man had also become combative with them. So Shane pulled his phone out and started filming him back. Once the guy started his vehicle up and started to drive off, he hit Shane. Shane tried to get out of the way and the guy ran him over. Fergus said that Shane's body went up on the roof of the truck and hit his head on the concrete when he fell. Immediately, he was unconscious. After he hit him, the driver of the truck gassed it and left the parking lot, leaving Shane on the ground, bleeding from ble- bleeding out of the ears. Quote, we immediately ran over and started doing everything we could to stabilize him. He was not conscious, but he was breathing. Blood was pouring out of his ears and his nose. His eyes were completely bloodshot. Luckily, a surgeon happened to be at the bar and helped them get control of the situation until paramedics arrived. The photos Shane took helped the police identify the man who has now been arrested. Tario tells Gateway Pundit, that he was arrested, but we have not yet been able to confirm the driver's name. They have several videos showing the uh, CPR being performed I, I, or, or some kind of stabilizing first aid being performed, not CPR, sorry, first aid on, uh, on the man Shane who was injured. They say Danielson, the man, a GoFundMe has been launched. So far, they have raised just about $2,000 of a $10,000 goal, saying he was hit in a, in a parking lot in Vancouver after leaving a celebration of a life of a friend. The truck then fled the scene. They mentioned his injuries. The Gabby Pondit goes on to say, many have speculated that Reinald did not act alone. Portland police were searching for another suspect from the shooting and arrest and arrest uh, and arrested him on Saturday night. Interesting. In a press release, the Portland police thanked the public for helping to identify him. In an interview with Vice News in the hours prior to being shot and killed, Reinald said that, quote, I see a civil war right around the corner. And I want to point something out. Vice News ran an interview with this man who is essentially confessing to murder. The other day, journalist Ford Fisher had his Facebook account deactivated, and he is a journalist who covers these, these, uh, these, these riots, these, these circumstances, these incidents. Facebook bans him 
And we can see how big tech will censor certain news outlets while allowing others to just do their thing. This is going to be a serious issue moving forward for people on the right. And it's one of the reasons why I felt it was important to cover this, simply because the mainstream media often will just run a pro Antifa narrative. And that's unhealthy for all of us. While I will be skeptical of what the Proud Boys are claiming, because as far as I know, it could just be some crazy guy and he was peeling out drunk, leaving a bar and they assumed he was Antifa. They say, uh, you know, Cassandra writes militant leftist. Unless you show me a photo and video of this guy, I'm not going I'm not going to buy it. So that needs to be said. It also needs to be said that you're not going to find this story on local news outlets for the most part. You're not going to find it in national news. And another point that needs to be made is the officer who was shot in Las Vegas and paralyzed, Shay Michelonis, gets no national coverage. Yet Jacob Blake, who was they were trying to arrest on a felony warrant for assaulting a woman, he raises $2 million and gets national coverage when he starts speaking from his hospital bed. You see the disparity here. That's why I'd like to at least highlight what they're saying happened while still being skeptical, skeptical and saying we need some independent uh, verification. Now, of course, last night there was still more rioting in Portland. Andy no tweets graphic. Antifa rioters throw a Molotov cocktail in the direction of police in southeast Portland. It lands next to people setting one on fire. I obviously can't play the video. This is YouTube. Many people are making music remixes like playing the song Footloose because the guy's legs burst into flames when he gets hit by the Molotov and he can't put them out. His, he then whips his shoes off. People are screaming. The police run over and try and put the fire out. And I'm telling you, it's going to get worse before it gets better because these people are nuts. They are throwing Molotovs now. They've been throwing them at police stations. It's getting worse. I remember when I was in Ukraine and, and uh, you know, they had not started using Molotovs, but it escalated very quickly to the point where you have this video where they're pelting dozens of Molotovs at APCs, just igniting it instantly. The escalation is a real thing. For the longest time, I never thought we'd see that point in the US where they would try to murder or permanently maim, scar police officers with a Molotov because you, you, you get that stuff on you, that fire, you're going to be seriously injured. Yet here we are, Antifa throwing Molotovs. Now, of course, it's backfired on them and they end up injuring one of their own guys who's probably now got pretty serious burns on his legs and he's going to be struggling for weeks over this, potentially for the rest of his life, depending on how severe the burns got. People don't get it, man. A burn injuries, they're, they're no joke. You, you, you have pores in your skin. It releases oil. You don't have that. Your skin gets dry. It's hard. These people are literally playing with fire. Well, the Portland police issued a statement, fire bombs, rocks and mortars thrown at officers during riots. You know what? We know. We know. Donald Trump has done potentially the smartest thing, and I've mentioned it several times, by allowing the feds to deputize the state police. So hopefully this slowly puts an end to all of this. I've been seeing more and more mainstream journalists who have a left bias saying things like, what's the point of this? What, what are they even protesting for? They want to abolish the police. That's what they're protesting for. But I saw one journalist saying, I don't even know what their message is. I never knew what their message was. They don't have a message. It's insurrection. They've never had a message. The Portland riot started because of the Chaz, basically. It wasn't about George Floyd. They were trying to take over parts of the city. And since then, it's been nothing but chaos. And then for some reason, they attacked a federal courthouse. We have no idea why they did that. There was no goal. There was no mission. But we can see, man with what happened 
I mean, you got to you got you got to you got to point out the, the, the depravity of these individuals that one of their dudes, this guy, Michael Reinhold, one of their members executed a Trump supporter, straight up said he did it, lied about it, claiming it was self-defense. We can see the videos. We can see him stalking the Trump supporters. He wasn't defending everybody, anybody. He was hunting these people down. All right, maybe that's a little a little hyperbolic. He was walking. He ducks around a corner, puts his hand on his weapon. And then as soon as they pass him, he stalks behind him. Then he flanks around the front of him. And then they t- he yells, they turn around and he goes bang and he shoots him twice. Bang, bang. And these people came out and protested for the murderer, for the murderer. Joe Biden's desperate to change that narrative. I'm telling you, it's only going to get worse. And I'm not saying that to be a pessimist. I'm saying it because I'm a realist. I introduce you now to the latest development. Judge bans Detroit police from using batons, gas, chokeholds on protesters. For now, no batons? Dude, wow. I get it, okay? Chokeholds, maybe. Gas is less lethal. It's meant to make people disperse. It's effective. Can't use it. Okay, fine. At least let them use batons. Can't use batons either. What are they supposed to do? These people are going to come out and they are going to riot with impunity. They are not being charged. They are being cut loose. And now the police are having their hands tied behind their backs. Well, there it is. Thanks, Detroit. What's going to happen now is the riots are going to get worse. You know, it really was pathetic. Joe Biden's desperate attempt to change the news cycle. Oh, Donald Trump, you know, he called uh, he called soldiers losers. Yeah. And we see all the never Trumper people saying things like this week's going to be crazy, tweeting these things out. Apparently it was a targeted hit. It was it was a, it was staged. It was it was a collusion between the media and the Democrats. The story was patently absurd. Donald Trump, who were the good guys in World War One? We were what? It's stupid. There's stupid questions. Now, it's possible Trump was asking legitimate questions. Maybe Trump said, I'm curious as to why we ended up with, you know, aligning with these certain groups in World War One. I. I had a great conversation with Michael Malice about it. And of course, they'll frame it in a very manipulative way to make it make Trump look bad. But I believe the story's fake. I don't believe any president at any point, even like Donald Trump is not that stupid. Even if he really did question it, he's not going to be like, I think I, all, all these soldiers are dumb and losers. That's ridiculous. The goal was to get the news cycle off the riots. Well, I'll tell you what. You couldn't do anything about it because the people who are rioting will not are, are not they have no intention of stopping. You don't control them. So stop lying to people. The Democrats said the only circumstance in which there's no violence is if Joe Biden wins in a landslide. Oh, please. You kidding me? They could not stop the riots if their lives depended on it and their careers do and they still can't do anything about it. Joe Biden is panicking. If he could stop the riots, he would. He can't. Donald Trump actually did some things, but they're stopping him. He, Trump, Trump has repeatedly offered federal assistance. They won't accept it. The National Guard finally came into uh, Kenosha, bolstered their numbers. But now look what's happening in Detroit. From the, uh, this is from Detroit Free Press. They say a federal judge late Friday temporarily banned Detroit police from using batons, shields, gas, rubber bullets, chokeholds or sound cannons against Black Lives Matter protesters. U.S. District Court Judge Lori Michelson partially granted a temporary restraining order Detroit will breathe sought when it sued the city of Detroit on Monday, alleging that police were using excessive force to stop them from exercising their free speech rights. The order will be in effect for at least 14 days and forbids police from using force without probable cause. It's a win, but the fight continues, said Jack Schultz. Now, right away, I am disappointed with a federal judge. I wonder who appointed that judge, if it's a Trump judge, whatever. 
More importantly, however, no one is making the left file these lawsuits. No one is making them go out and riot and protest and beat people and throw Molotov cocktails. No one is making them do that. And it's hurting Joe Biden. And I find that hilarious. Now, Trump is trying to stop it, but these Democratic mayors and governors won't let him. It's almost like they want Trump to win. No, they're so inept and they hate Trump so much. They're like, no, I'd rather my city burn to the ground before I accept your help. They hate the man that much. Isn't that crazy? Why? Yeah, Trump's got his problems. I, 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 I tell this story sometimes. A guy I met in an airport said he wouldn't invite Trump to his house for dinner. But hey, Trump's effective, right? Makes, you know, fixed the economy, made everything great. And I'm like, that's an interesting way to, to put it. You don't have to like the guy to say, I'll accept federal law enforcement. What, what, why do you, you have a problem with the National Guard? They're the ones who are going to come in. Ah, it's because Trump said it. I tell you, man, what did Matt Taibbi call it? The hydroxychloroquine effect that Trump's going to like, I, I've talked about this many times. Trump will read the news and he'll say something like, did you hear this thing? They're talking about these, 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 these rabbits at the zoo. Very, very cute rabbits. And then all of a sudden you'll have a million articles saying rabbits are disgusting, disfigured monsters. And Trump is a lunatic and they, they have to oppose everything he does. Trump says X. Media says minus X. And that's insane. And that's the po- that's, and that's the problem. Now you're going to have these people going out and they're going to riot and the cops are going to retreat. They're going to have to stand down. They're not equipped. We saw this in Seattle when a judge said something similar. The police were like, we cannot risk our safety because we are ill equipped to deal with riots. Have you seen what's happened to some of these cops? Shay Michelonis, a cop in Las Vegas, who went out to, to patrol the, 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 the riots and the protests, was shot and paralyzed. And now they would tie the cops' hands behind their backs after over 100 days of rioting. Truly, a sight to behold. Now, in this instance, this is a federal judge. That's stupid. I, I can't believe they're actually doing this. But I'll tell you what, no one is making these people riot. So a judge can say, yes, yeah, cops shouldn't be gassing and batoning people who are peacefully protesting but it's going to turn into a riot and no one's going to make them do it. They're going to choose to do it. And then Trump's going to get angry. He's going to appoint new judges and he's going to deputize law enforcement. He's going to send in federal law enforcement. We'll see how things play out. I believe that if Joe Biden gets elected, they'll keep rioting. They're going to be angry and they know he's weak. This is what you need to consider with the Joe Biden presidency. Joe Biden asked, does anybody, uh, it was probably wasn't really him, speech writers or whatever. Does anyone really believe that the violence will stop if Donald Trump is elected? Something like that. Uh, yes, I, I, I do. I, I do believe that. Um, you see, right now we're, we're, we're in an election cycle where the Democrats are refusing to accept this help. That's their fault, not Trump's fault. Now, what happens if you have weak Democrats and you put in a weak president? Then you get trampled all over. They want to claim that Joe Biden will stop this. But let me make it clear for you. The far left doesn't like Joe Biden. They're not going to be like, okay, Joe, that you won. Now we're all done. We're going to go home. No, they're going to be like, Joe Biden might be even worse than Trump because Joe Biden has been in government for like 47 years and authored the famous, you know, 1990s crime, the, the, the crime bill from the 90s that put a lot of people in jail and people don't like him for it. So they might protest more. If Joe Biden had the ability to end the violence, he would have done so because it's hurting their polls. If the Democrats had the ability to end the violence, they would have done so because it's hurting their polls. And we all see it. Almost every journalist is pointing out 
that Joe Biden was on the defensive, countering that he had he had nothing to say about this. They can't do anything. The mayors can't. The governors can't because they know they will offend Black Lives Matter. It will hurt their vote. So they're desperate and panicking, hoping Joe Biden can be separate from them saying, I condemn the violence. But he never says Black Lives Matter. He never says Antifa. And guess what? The dude who killed the Trump supporter had the big old Black Lives Matter fist on his neck. That's right. So are they going to say it? Of course not. They need the votes. Donald Trump condemned white supremacy and neo-Nazis. He said condemned totally more than one time. What about the what about the Democrats? And this is the, this is the point I often bring up. You want to know how you're on the right side of history? Conservatives have been speaking up against this for a long time. Of course they would. You know, they oppose the, the leftists and liberals. Moderates and, and liberals are joining the ranks. You know why? Because if you're a liberal, if you're a moderate centrist or conservative, we all have no problem saying white supremacy is bad. White supremacist extremists are evil. We should stop them. The FBI should investigate, prevent their crimes. Guess what else? Antifa are extremists who are killing and hurting people and destroying lives, and they must be stopped. When you talk to these lefties, and I do, they won't say it. They won't. They won't say it. They'll say things like, of course, I condemn extremism. Say Antifa. Well, I mean, you know, I, I condemn all extremism. Say Antifa. I, I think all extremism is bad. OK. All right. It's funny. I'll tell you what, man. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to, uh, uh, you know, play these games the Republicans play. If someone came to me and told me, can you say Black Lives Matter? Yes, I can. 100 percent. Black Lives Matter. They absolutely do. And I respect the, the initial idea behind why they're protesting. If the police kill one innocent person, I want an inquiry. I want justice. I can respect that. What they're doing now, however, is extremism. So while I can tell you the general idea, the phrase itself, yes, absolutely, I will then say 100%. Thank you. Now, now that I've said that, can you condemn the extremists with me? I can condemn the extremists, praise the peaceful protests, which is funny. There was a tweet. I, I, I tweeted about this where a guy was like, 93% of the protests have been peaceful. <laughs> Sorry that your narrative is crumbling. What narrative? What narrative do I have? I don't know about other people, but I'll tell you this. I praise the peaceful protests all the time. I've specifically referenced when they laid on the ground, put their hands behind their back. I said it was awesome. I'm specifically highlighting the fact that like 35 people are dead. Does, that, does, the, does the fact that 93% of protests being peaceful absolve the murderers? It's amazing. 90. Well, he was a serial killer, but 99.9% of people he met, he spared. Therefore, he was an overwhelmingly peaceful serial killer. Oh, shut up, dude. Look, I'm not going to blame peaceful protesters for the actions of the extremists. I'm going to blame the extremists who are out on the ground committing extremist acts. And when when peaceful people stay there to shield them, they no longer become peaceful people. They become accomplices. But I've seen the protests where they march around. I think it's fantastic. I disagree with a lot of their messaging. Most of these people just believe in police accountability and that I love. It's awesome. The problem is because they refuse to condemn the extremists, they call it a diversity of tactics. You must respect a diversity of tactics, which is a far left dog whistle for get violent and we'll protect you. It's insane. Because of this, you will now reap what you have sown. People are getting hurt. And the public is getting fed up. And Joe Biden, if he gets elected, I'm telling you, man, these people won't stop. 
They'll be emboldened because now there's a weak federal government. They have said this. They tweet it. They are telling you revolution, nothing less. And they are flat out saying it is easier to overthrow a feeble old white man than it is a fascist. They believe Trump is hard to get rid of. That's why they're fighting as hard as they are. With Joe Biden, they will subvert and they will destroy and nothing will stop them. The Democrats have been completely ineffective. We need someone to oppose them 100%. Joe Biden is negotiating with them. Okay, so maybe, maybe that's the point. The violence will stop because I'm going to give them everything they want. <laughs> nah, that's not for me. We'll see how things play out. I hope this dude who got hit is okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep looking into the story to see if I can find verification. They're saying the guy got arrested. It sounds like it's a legit story. So, but again, take this stuff with a grain of salt until we have hard confirmation. I'll leave it there. Next segment coming is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time. As the riots continue, the negative press keeps bubbling up and it makes Joe Biden look bad because most of you probably know by now his campaign supported the rioters. Kamala Harris actually solicited funding to bail out the rioters. And well, they look bad. Of course, the media is doing everything in their power to try and change the cycle, coming out with all these crazy quotes from Donald Trump, where he's like saying a bunch of racist things. Oh, please. It's all fake news. And they're trying to distract from this. You see, the other day, uh, there was an event, a walkaway campaign event in Dallas, Texas, and it was violently attacked by a Black Lives Matter mob. Now, I'm not surprised this happens. The violence is asymmetrical. The Trump supporters in Portland who were walking down the street were not instigating with anybody. And the Antifa crackpot killer shot and killed the guy and then lied. And Vice News ran his, his narrative. And these big tech companies allow it. But what about Kyle Rittenhouse? Nope, you can't say a good word about him at all. Mainstream media is coming to the defense of these people desperate to stop Donald Trump. Why? Because they're deranged. This is derangement. So, th- so this, this group of walkaway individuals like Brandon Strzok, you may be familiar with, they were attacked. Then there's secu- some guy started agitating, getting up in the crowd. Security guard said, you know, like basically back away, got up to him, started pushing on him. The guy put his fist in his neck. Security guard then starts attacking him. Now, the police detained the security guard, but I don't believe he was arrested. As the, the, the campaign group, the walkaway campaign group was going to, to the police to figure out what was going on, they got attacked by a far left Black Lives Matter mob. The violence being started is targeting conservatives. So I see these posts on Twitter and they're funny. I responded to a couple of them. One of them said that center right conservatives are more worried about the far left. And so they're not paying attention to the far right. And center left liberals are more concerned with the far right. And both sides are wondering why the other side doesn't care more about what they think. And that's just not true. This is this like, Okay, listen, this this is why people have been calling me conservative for a long time, because I'm telling you the truth about this. A lot of moderates, politically homeless and centrist people are like, I can't understand who's better or worse. The left says the exact same thing I'm saying now, but they're objectively wrong. And I know they say that, too. What do you want me to say about it? Let me tell you this. Brandon Strzok, who who, who went and, and, and held a campaign event, did not attack anybody. He held a rally saying, walk away, woo, and they wave little American flags. He got attacked. The, the Molotovs being thrown in Portland. It is not Trump supporters going out and doing this. It is a hundred nights of the far left doing this. 
Where is the far right? Where, when am I supposed to be scared as a, as a mixed race person that the far right is coming to get me? Oh, they say naughty words on the internet. I don't care. They're not in my streets. They're not throwing Molotov cocktails at cops. They're not doing, I don't care about that. I know that if I put an event, the far right doesn't say anything. I put on an event. Get this. Daryl Davis, headline speaker, the guy famous for de-radicalizing the Klan. Not a single far right person said anything to me at all. The far left threatened to burn the theater down. So this, this is a lie. It, there, there are people who aren't paying attention, who are the enlightened centrists. And it's funny, they try and claim that of me. But now, I'll tell you this, I am rather centrist. I lean slightly left. But I'll tell you the truth. I'm actually looking to the re- into what's going on. And it's obvious if you're a Trump supporter and you put an event where you peacefully wave your little flag, they will attack you. And the media is desperate, desperate. A new a new report was put out. It's hilarious, mind you, where they're like, I've mentioned it briefly. Ninety three percent of all of the Black Lives Matter events were peaceful protests. And all of a sudden they all come out and they're like saying things like, see, sorry, it was all peaceful. You know what this says to me? It explains everything. 93% of the Black Lives Matter events were peaceful protests. Great. I don't care. I'm not criticizing peaceful protests. I've been praising them. I'm criticizing this. This it's happening. Stop. They don't care. You know why? The left is basically saying when they do this media campaign, there is an acceptable amount of riots and death for their cause. Not for me. The Gravel Institute tweeted, that stupid trope where the far left is like, we just want to give everybody health care. And the far right's like, we want to kill people. And centrists are like, gee, which one's worse? As if anybody ever said that. These people are, are, are off their rocker. They believe all this fake news and insanity about the far right. Okay, I will clarify this one more time. First and foremost, far right extremists are bad. Yeah, they're awful. Of course they are. And so are the far left extremists. Which one has institutional power? Oh, they'll scream. Donald Trump is actually a fascist. That proves it. Except Trump condemned neo-Nazis and white supremacists. Joe Biden won't even say Antifa or Black Lives Matter. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting to a tizzy. I'm getting angry here. Let me, let me read you the story and tell you what happened. And then I'll show you this, this data they put out. It's actually really funny. It doesn't prove what they think it proves. It proves they're insane and they're violent. From Post Millennial. Breaking. BLM mob violently attacks Trump supporters in Dallas. A walkaway Rescue America rally in Dallas to highlight the violence and hypocrisy of the left was violently disrupted on Saturday after leftist counter protesters. They're not counter protesters. Brandon Strzok was not protesting. I wouldn't call what he did protesting. I would call it having a rally. A bunch of people hanging out, waving little flags and talking about why they don't like the Democrats. It's, it's OK. You can say they're protesting the Democrats, I guess. But when a group of people show up to attack those just in a park peacefully, I wouldn't call them counter protesters. I'd call them extremists or violent individuals or a violent mob. They attacked event security and attendees, prompting Dallas to uh, Dallas police to detain a security guard who grappled with a Black Lives Matter activist. Now, this is an interesting thing that needs clarification. I've watched that video. There's a dude with a bullhorn and he's yelling in a bullhorn very close to people. You could argue that was an assault, like getting a bullhorn really close to someone. It's like you can't march in with a bullhorn and scream in people's faces. Security guard does, I believe, make physical contact with the guy pushing him back. What's the security supposed to do to deescalate? In response, this guy puts his fist to the neck of the security guard and the security guard swings and starts hitting him. 
I blame, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, man, the fault lies the guy who walked up to their group and instigated. It's always been this way. I, when, when, when uh, the Battle of Berkeley, the second one, I was there. And you, I, I, maybe, maybe it was the third one. I don't know. I think I was, there, I was there for a bunch of them. When you had all these Trump supporters standing around talking and the police put up a barricade, Antifa walked in, trampled the barricade and got in people's faces and started, started fights with people. There, there were people who were far right who were there who ran over and just like whack right into the face of some Antifa guy. But they wait until they are attacked. And if they're not attacked, then nothing happens. But those like the, the people who go out and start fights are few and far between. Brandon Strzok is not going out and starting any kind of violence. He's just a conservative guy saying, I don't like I, I don't like the Democrats anymore. And they get attacked for it. They say the Black Lives Matter mob also chased down attendees and threw bottles at them and smashed the phone of a walkaway employee. Brandon Strzok, founder of Walkaway, reported that after going to the police station to find out what was going on, he and his group were chased and threatened by BLM activists who were also there. And there's a video of it. and It's gone viral. Tens of thousands of retweets. Did you see what happened to Brandon uh, at the RNC? The homophobic attack by Black Lives Matter. It's, it's, it's shocking to anybody with principle. Back in the day, I remember hearing these stories from the left about these horrifying attacks on people just because of who they love. And I said, that is appalling. We are a country of, of, of liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You go do your thing. Negative rights, meaning you want to go in your home and love somebody. Do it, man. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're happy. Let's all be happy together. And I'll do my thing. You'll do your thing. And then, you know, there you go. Now what's happening? The left is actually attacking and screaming homophobic slurs at him. And where was the left to condemn it? They have become insane moral authoritarians. And dare I say, they themselves are homophobic and racist and sexist. What's really, what's really annoying is it feels like you've kind of got this like dark Link scenario. You ever, you ever play any of the classic Zelda games where, where Link, the main character, fights an evil version of himself? It's what it really feels like. Right now, someone like Brandon Strzok is going and having a peaceful rally with a bunch of his supporters just waving little flags and saying, woohoo, you know, uh, go, go Trump or whatever. They get attacked. While they're being attacked, the evil side is saying, but we're just defending ourselves. They attacked us. And the media goes, oh, that's right. The evil right wingers attacked these left wingers. And they never stop to think, well, but wait a minute. Why are the left wingers at the right wing rally? Huh? Interesting, isn't it? Brandon Strzok tweeted, this was the most terrifying moment of my life. My team and I went to the police to check on detained security agent. 30 to 40 Black Lives Matter began throwing bottles at us and chasing us. They stole my employee's phone and smashed it. We had to run for four to five blocks. All Dallas news stations were there. Speaking to the Post Millennial, Strzok said, when I got there, Next Generation Action Network were doing a press conference, but there were 30 or 40 of them. Eric Alvarez with WFAA ABC 8 asked if we wanted to go live. And I said, yes, I do. And at that moment, they all crowded around us and someone got between me and the camera. And I told my group not to talk to them. And then I said, let's just go. And they started chasing us. They started throwing bottles at us. I'm not exaggerating when I say we thought they were we were going to be killed. And they told us they were going to kill us. Eric Alvarez posted footage to Twitter that he obtained from Next Generation Action Network saying violence breaks out, yada, yada. The event was hosted by the walkaway campaign and Strzok, who earned his reputation as a former liberal who turned conservative following the Democratic Democrat Party's descent into radical leftism. Who's ready to walk away from the radical left today? Strzok asked the crowd during the event. 
many of whom carried American flags. You know what I was saying? They're waving their flags. They're minding their own business. Strzok verbally condemned Antifa and others responsible for the rioting and looting that has taken over the streets of several major cities. We're here to let you let, let you know that your summer of rage has come to an end. Dallas Morning News, which saw fit to highlight the group's largely white mask-free demographic, reported that its attendees praised Strzok for his nonviolent approach to protest. Others shared their dismay over the anti-police riots, which were sparked following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. They want you to believe we're a bunch of racists and homophobes, said Strzok to the crowd. But I'm looking, I'm looking out and seeing black faces here. I'm seeing Hispanic faces here. Strzok was supported by author David Harris Jr., black conservative author Shamika Michelle, and conservative transgender YouTuber and post contributor Blair White. White, 26, called the upcoming election between Trump and Biden the most consequential election of my lifetime, stating that it was a fight between white guilt or equality between draconian lockdowns or freedom. A lot of people are confused about who's become the more tolerant accepting side, said White. It's this side. Yeah. Blair White, trans woman, put on a MAGA hat and got physically attacked in LA. But is that surprising to anybody? I suppose if you only watch CNN, where you can hear them say over and over again, there is no war in Ba Sing Se, don't mind the violent people burning things to the ground, then maybe you wouldn't know these things. But I'll tell you what, the narrative, the, the analogy is very simple. You're walking down the road and there's a bar on your left and a bar on your right. And the bar on your left is screaming and smashing things and insulting you and telling you to get on your knees. And the bar on the right is a bunch of guys with red, red caps, waving flags saying, woo, America. And, Yo, come over here, buddy. I got you a beer. And you're like, oh, beer. I like beer. Like, come over here and share a beer with us. And you're like, that sounds good. And, and then on the other side, the left, they're screaming Nazi and bigot at you. And you're like, I don't know what all that's about, but these guys seem like they're going to give me free beer. That's typically how it goes. And everybody seems to know it as long as you're paying attention. The right, even the far left claims that the far right does what's called love bombing, where they praise you and, and, and tell you how great you are. They do. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not complicated. Maybe the left should realize this. They don't. They cancel their own. They are just an insane, paranoid, delusional, violent mob. Not the entirety of the left. Obviously, I'm talking about Antifa. I'm talking about Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I'm talking about Black Lives Matter. Now, they'll tell you over in these studies that it is overwhelmingly peaceful. You see, 93% of all demonstrations connected to the movement were peaceful. Demonstrators have not engaged in violence or destructive activity. Okay. How do they define violence? I thought speech was violence. They didn't say any mean words. Ah, they don't. You see how the narrative changes. That's what they do. If you say a naughty word, they'll say violence. Then when they punch you in the face, they'll say self-defense. Yeah, it's a game. But here's what I love. They try to make it seem like everything's peaceful. Yeah, nobody's buying it, dude. All they've done is actually prove a lot of violence. Like, wow. And in mostly Democrat cities. This is amazing. Take a look at this. They say peaceful protests were reported in over 2,400 distinct locations around the country. Violent demonstrations, meanwhile, have been limited to fewer than 220 locations, under 10% of the areas that experienced peaceful protests. In many urban areas like Portland, for example, which has seen sustained unrest, violent demonstrations are largely confined to specific blocks rather than dispersed throughout the city. You see how they play this game? Okay. Whoever said that a riot had to be the entirety of the city. When was that ever the case? 
Occupy Wall Street was one small city block. Ferguson was once was one block west Florissant, but stretched down about a, a half mile or so. They weren't they weren't necessarily rioting throughout all of St. Louis. Baltimore also confined for the most part. Now, there have been instances where people went out and just looted everything, but it wasn't uh, uh, like a, a group, right? So in Baltimore, for instance, you, we were driving around and we'd see a couple people smash a window, jump in and steal stuff. That's just opportunism. That wasn't an organized group attacking anybody. They were looting stores because they knew the police were overwhelmed. This is a narrative they're creating right now because they're desperate. They can't control the far left. No, no one can. It is the one ring. They think they can wield its power and it is turning them into ring raids. It will not work. So here's what happens in their desperation to beat Trump. They supported the movement. Now they're creating fake narratives. Well, actually, of those that were violent, it was only confined to a small space. Yes. And so was Tahrir Square in Egypt at the revolution. Stop saying stupid things. Well, the media is not they know what they're doing. You can foment revolution with a small group of people outside the White House. A coup is not widespread throughout the country. It is extremely dangerous to have violent insurgents attacking city centers. And take a look at this map. This is what I love. They're like, here are the riots in orange and here are the protests in blue. I wonder if I can zoom in here and make it a little bigger. This, 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 in, this, this graphic is hilarious because you can see what do you, you might notice some commonalities with the orange dots. Why? They're all in major urban centers run by Democrats. Not all of it. San Diego, for instance, has some, but it is a little bit smaller. Interestingly, San Diego's mayor is a Republican. All of the peaceful. Look at all the little peaceful ones. What do you notice about the peaceful Black Lives Matter protests blotches? Why? They're all over the rural parts of the country. Amazing. They're still centralized in the more urban areas of you know, the, uh, of, of the, the rural areas. So let me, let me try and rephr- rephrase this properly. Phoenix, Denver, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, New York. You get the drift, St. Louis. It is the major urban centers, many of which are controlled by Democrats, where the bulk of the riding is taking place. And out in the middle of nowhere, in more rural areas, it's just regular old blue. Idaho, for instance, had a bunch of protests, all peaceful. I'm not, I'm not sure I actually believe them that it's peaceful. And most people are no longer trusting of the, of the press. I'm willing to bet a lot of these peaceful protests, the, 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 the narrative is based upon the media lying. So therein lies the, the other problem. We've seen it over and over again. They've said peaceful protest 50 million times. So if they're going to cite CNN right here, September 1st, CNN, are they considering 2,400 locations to be peaceful because the media has refused to call them what they are, violent mobs or riots? And there it is. Now, now we can truly see why they kept saying peaceful or their next move. They said, peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. There's no riots. Shh, don't say anything. Then finally, they, they, they take all of the reports of peaceful protests, peaceful rioting, mostly peaceful protests and say, nothing to see here. It's all fine. Some things they couldn't ignore. We know buildings were burnt down, but all they've done is proven that Black Lives Matter is violent and destructive. Amazing, isn't it? This map right here, something the Anti-Defamation League could not do, shows that the far left Black Lives Matter engaged in over 220 
undeniable acts of violent rioting. 220. And I'm supposed to accept that number and the 35 people dead from the from from the riots and their ensuing and, and the aftermath? Nah, I'm sorry, man. I'm not okay with that number. There should be no riots and there should be no dead. There is no acceptable number. But the whole game here, they don't want you talking about Joe Biden. They don't want you to realize that the Democrats have actively supported all of this. No joke. One of my favorite graphics. You're going to love this one. Uh, let, let me see if I can find this graphic here. Oh, this is great. This is great. Here's a gift for you all. Number of demonstrations associated with Black Lives Matter by demonstration type in Washington state. Demonstration type. The blue is protest and the, the orange yellow is riots. Well, as we can see, thank you for pointing this out. During the period of CHOP activity, it was all peaceful. No violent riots during the CHOP. None. No violence. Oh, oh, oh a whole. Wow. I mean, I think like five people died. <laughs> you know, it doesn't count as a riot because the cops didn't try and stop them. See how it goes in this map, this chart. It's a graph. They're straight up saying riots and protests. And because the police backed down, even though the chop was destroying things, even though they spray painted the whole thing up, which, yeah, counts as property destruction and several people are dead, they say peaceful protest. And that's the name of the game. When the police back down, the media covers it up. And then we get whatever this garbage ACLE data, ACLED data, whatever. This is the propaganda they're using to try and claim the far left isn't actually engaging any violence. They don't put anywhere in the chop activity the deaths. Isn't that funny? I want you to think about that. And now we'll go back up to the original map. They won't show you where the murders are. So why should I believe any of these are peaceful? All you've done on, on the surface is proven the far left engages in widespread violence not seen by the far right. Please, please tell me, how many violent far right rallies have there been resulting in destruction and riots? I'm sorry, is the answer one or two? Yes, it is. And it's 220 for Black Lives Matter. Do you know how many people this year were killed by white supremacists according to the ADL? Five. According to the Anti-Defamation League's heat map tracker, five people have been killed by far right white supremacists. How many people have been killed as a result of the far left extremism sweeping this country? About 32, I believe. I think 30 is the safe number because if, if we want to include the, what happened in, in Kenosha and the guy in, 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 um, the guy in Portland who hunted down the Trump supporter and killed him, that's more of the aftermath. In the riots themselves, there's 15 confirmed hard confirmations of deaths from the rioting. And then there's about 15 or 16 more that are peripheral. But the reason I say this is because the reason I'm not saying 31 outright, because I'm trying to be I'm trying to be fair. OK, I'm trying to say, OK, you've asserted 15 dead. Five people have been killed by white supremacists. Fifteen people are dead because of your riots. Now, there's many more dead because of the riots and you still have some targeted murders like the guy in Portland. But that won't make the list, will it? Peaceful, they say. Don't forget it. They're lying. They're trying to save Joe Biden. But let's talk about Joe Biden in the next segment. That'll be over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. It is a different channel from this one. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. We've got the final ratings for the NBA and the ratings are down. And now we know why. Thanks to a Harris poll. And we were all right. Donald Trump was right. 
Nobody wants politics when they're trying to escape from reality. Well, they want to chill, man. We want to watch sports. We want to have a good time. Basketball's not my jam. I like watching skate videos. My Instagram is basically nothing but skate videos. I don't need to turn on a skate video and then see a bunch of people talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter or something. That's what sports are supposed to be for. And we'll get to that in a sec. We will get to that in a second. But what's interesting here, 38% of sports fans say NBA is too political as the reason they are watching less. Now, of course, you may say that's only 38%, but it is, in fact, the plurality. The next biggest number was 28% due to no fans makes it really boring. And I got to admit, that's true. And I'm sure the players feel it, too. There's no hype. There's no booing. There's no cheering. It's boring. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I I watch skateboarding. You don't really have a cheering audience for skateboarding. Just watch someone do a trick or whatever. But I guess, well, let's, let's read this and we'll see what's up. From the Harris poll, they say 38% of sports fans say NBA is too political as the reason they are watching less. Basketball fans are souring on the NBA's support of teams and players bringing politics onto the court, tossing an assist to President Donald Trump in his attacks on the league. People are tired of watching the highly political NBA. Basketball ratings are way down and they won't be coming back. I hope football and baseball are watching and learning because the same thing will be happening to them. Stand tall for our country and our flag. Trump tweeted to his 86 million followers yesterday. On my main channel segment over at youtube.com slash Timcast, I talked about how small towns are seeing their politicians flip from Democrat to Republican. And I think what, what I should have absolutely emphasized here is that the Democratic Party and these, these basketball players and the media are taking their cues from Twitter. Uh, no joke. A tiny, tiny fraction, like 1% of the population on Twitter, these active progressives. And then the NBA is like, okay, let's do this. But that's not, you. that makes no sense. You're alienating 30, what is it, 39 percent? Wow. Well, let's, let's, let's read this. You're alienating these people for what? Because someone posted a hot take on Twitter? Well, enjoy being broke. A new Harris poll backs Trump's critique of the NBA with 39% of sports fans saying, they are watching far fewer games. And the chief reason why? Politics. The longtime polling agency surveyed nearly 2,000 people over the weekend and gave people 10 options to choose from on why they are watching less basketball. Quote, the league has become too political, was the clear choice for the decline with 38% of respondents. Quote, boring without fans captured 28% of the vote, while the NBA's association with China caused 19% of sports fans to turn the dial. Woo! Wow. That I did not expect. I knew the get woke, go broke thing. But this is such a massive victory for Donald Trump. China at 19%? Wow, man. That's a good reason, I gotta admit. They say another nod to a league Trump labeled a political organization last week after players boycotted games in response to a police shooting in, in Kenosha. NBA ratings are in fact down overall through the first round of the playoffs compared with last year. But it's hardly an apples to apple comparison. Summer TV viewership typically lags springtime watching when the playoffs are normally aired. This year, the overall numbers are skewed by the need to air games during the day to accommodate a playoff calendar that has been condensed because of the pandemic. Ratings are up over last year's playoffs for the games that have aired in prime time. And I'll I'll tell you what, too. I I think a big factor here as well, because we still got large percentages. I'm willing to bet jamming all of these games in 
onto like non primetime schedules is boring. The players are probably bored. They're not doing their best. Who wants to watch this? All right. So, so they, they, they've done it to themselves. But look, all in all, it reflects poorly on Democrats. They're the ones who are locking everything down. They're the ones supporting the absurdity. Americans do not like this. We don't want China messing with our business. And we don't want politics in our sports. They say, while the data shows the league's political leanings will undoubtedly cause some not to watch, the NBA is balancing the issue of racial justice, supporting its players and completing a successful finish to the season, said John Gerzima, the Harris Poll CEO. The basketball bubble has kept the league immune from cases of COVID, COVID infection, but not immune from the impact, uh, the impact politics can have on ratings and public sentiment. Trump and the NBA star players have been at odds since he took office in 2017. It's a tradition for teams that win championships to visit the White House. But the Golden State Warriors, who won the 2017 NBA Finals, followed the lead of their star Stephen Curry and refused to visit. Trump quickly withdrew the invitation after the slight. LeBron James has called Trump a bum. And Trump targeted James after the four-time MVP appeared on CNN discussing the opening of his charter school. The responses on why people are watching fewer games tilted based on party affiliation, not surprisingly. 57% of Republicans chose too political, and 36% selected China as reasons they watch fewer games. The corresponding figures among Democrats were 22 and 8%. Democrats don't care about China, but the politics thing, that's really interesting. 22% of Democrats said too political. Harris also found the NBA is more partisan than any other sport. Only 34% of Republicans say they actively follow the NBA, compared with 48% of Democrats. The gap of 14 points is the largest for any of any sport. For comparison, 54% of Democrats actively follow the NFL versus 51% of Republicans. I can't say I'm surprised by any of these findings. I can't. And I bet you can't either. Now, I wonder if they mentioned that the Republicans don't follow the NBA compared to Democrats. I wonder if that has something to do with uh, uh, racial uh, demographics for fan bases. You know, some people are pointing out that the NBA is going to turn their arenas into voting stations. And they thought this was an attempt to shore up the black vote. I don't know if that's true or not. And it sounds kind of racist. You know what I mean? Like to assume like that. <laughs> that's what that's what they're saying, you know, whatever. But I, I, I do wonder if, they, if you check the demographics, would that be a, a big factor? But take a look at this. We got the final numbers. 27% down. Well, there it is. Get woke, go broke, confirmed. I saw something interesting. I think it was from Ben Shapiro. I've often talked about this. I mean, this is this is, this is it for me. Look, I don't I don't I don't watch basketball. I mean, I, I might watch it passively, like at a sports bar eating some wings. I'm sorry, eating some saucy nugs because I prefer the saucy nugs over the bone bone in wings or just regular wings, I guess. Do you get the reference? It's a funny reference. You should check it out. Google it. Anyway, the point is, I don't actively pay attention to this stuff, but I do like playing card games, board games. I like skateboarding. I like playing music. And I don't like politics injected into these things. I saw something from Ben Shapiro. Someone mentioned, what are you trying to escape from by watching sports? And then Ben, I think it was Ben Shapiro, I could be wrong, linked to the, the, um, the uh, etymology, I believe that's the correct word, the, the root of the word sport. And it literally means escaping from responsibility. It was quite literally a reference to people being done with work and saying, let's think about something else. I don't know what the first sport was, but I can tell you this, be it gaming, esports, whatever. I don't think people want this. And that's why I, th- I you know, I think it started with gaming because of the gaming industry. And it has to, a lot to do 
with what you could write about. Early on in, in esports, there's not a whole lot to write about in gaming. So these clickbait blogs needed to pump out content to get traffic. Well, you can only review a game so many times. You can only talk about someone so much when it's a small industry. It's a, a budding industry. So they decided to look for political controversy. They then started injecting, you know, once you start writing these articles, then they start putting pressure on these companies, start injecting politics into the games. And guess what? Get what go broke. People aren't having it. Some video games have done an okay job, but it goes from, it, 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 it carries on from there. I tell you this, man, I, I warned of this. I'm not kidding. I said two years ago, maybe just wait until they bring this stuff to your mainstream major league sports. It will be hilarious, but I'm not, we're not stopping here. Do you think it ends with this? No, you'd be wrong. I'll tell you where it's going. I'd be willing to bet uh, if, if Joe Biden wins and our culture shifts in this direction, which I, I don't think it necessarily is. I think Trump's going to win, but we'll see how it plays out. If we keep going in this direction, it's only a matter of time before protesters show up and the rules are changed and the league has to be a certain amount female. No joke. They're going to be like, you can't have people over a certain height, under a certain height, and you have to have this many, like you have to have a certain number of people who are female and non-binary. And they're going to say, because I've actually talked to people about this. If the rules of all of these sports are arbitrary in the sense that we made them up, we could change them. Who's to stop the NBA from saying all teams must be half female and no dunking allowed? Why not? We can just make the rule. How about we get rid of dribbling? Have you seen the South Park episode, Sarcastiball? That's kind of like this. They keep changing the rules because they can. And the game eventually becomes not nonsensical and stupid because everyone's overly sensitive about their kids getting hurt or something. I would not be surprised if in, you know, 15 years, basketball is you have a racial quota, a gender quota, dunking and dribbling are banned. And it's basically people running around a court and they're throwing the ball. It'll be like court rugby or something. Well, here's the thing. You can't jump too high. You can't throw too hard. You got to cut off the tall grass or or they'll just have rotating teams of random people. And then you have nothing to root for. Why not though? If they do this in video games and movies, why wouldn't they do it in sports? And then you'll really see get what go broke. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Ted Cruz referencing this article from Town Hall. Why Trump doesn't just send in the troops from Kurt Schlichter endorses the idea, quote, the feds should focus on the LARPing middle class SJWs and the dedicated Marxist cadre and use RICO conspiracy and other federal charges to take them out and lock them up. Well, take them out might be a little strong because, you know, they're going to they're going to get offended and be like, oh, no, they're threatening. You take them down, you know, arrest them. Just be more specific. But he, uh, so, so this is actually pretty awesome that I see, you know, Ted Cruz endorsing this. He's also talked about the 1619 Project. So way to go, Ted. I don't know if I necessarily agree because I don't know enough about Rico and conspiracy. But if the feds can stop these people and arrest them, then I say do it. And that's why I've been sell- I've been praising Trump for having the feds deputize state police in Oregon, because there you go. Now all these charges will be federal level. But you got to understand, a lot of these people in these key cities are coordinating these things and traveling across state lines, particularly between Portland and Seattle. In that case, you got federal charges coming, baby. But Ted Cruz brings up uh, another quote. When little Ashley from the suburbs realizes that she's looking at five years in federal prison instead of heading back to Evergreen State to finish her Bolivian 13th century trans dance degree, 
the lawyer daddy buys her will get her to sing like a canary about her commie pals. Well, there's a reason I bring it up because <laughs> it's a real story. It's it it's not literally identical, but it is like in spirit. Wealthy NYC college student 20 is among eight arrested for causing a hundred grand worth of damage to businesses in Manhattan during BLM rampage. Clara Kraber, 20, a wealthy college student. Oh, you love to see it, don't you? Well, she's going to get locked up. Now, I think she'll get some kind of slap on the wrist because her she comes from a wealthy family and, you know, you got money, you got power. They're going to hire a good lawyer and then we'll see how this plays out. But I say lock her up. I don't think she should go to prison for four years. I think they're saying she's facing like four years in prison. I think that's a little bit much for these dumb kids. But hey, man, they need some time to learn, uh, uh, you know, what it is like to, to, to look. They, they need some time for rehabilitation because they're clearly unhinged. That's what that's the best way to put it. They say a wealthy college student is among the eight people arrested on rioting charges after participants in a Black Lives Matter protest went on a rampage. Clara Kraber, 20, was among those arrested after the vandalism spree on Friday in the Flatiron District, where demonstrators were protesting the death of Daniel Prude. All were charged with rioting, and some were additionally charged with weapons and burglary tool possession. Kraber declined to comment on the charges to the New York Post when reached by phone at her family's second home in Connecticut, saying, no, not right now. I don't want to talk about it at her family's second home. Tear down the system. Capitalism is bad. She yells from her vacation property in Connecticut. Get out of here, man. These I can't these people. I tell you what. Revolutionary abolitionist movement protesters geared up in black block to take over NYC streets, carrying death to America and free all prisoners banners. My friend, do you know who the first target will be when the justice system collapses? You, you're a rich person. They hate you. They will go to your house. They will take your things. And <laughs> you don't even want to know what happens next. Of the eight arrested, five were men and two were women. Two of the arrests are from out of state, including one from Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. You see, it all comes full circle. This is why, I, you know, look, this is why I highlight what I did. Ted Cruz, conspiracy, Rico, all that stuff. Yes, Ted, I don't know what you can do as a senator from Texas, but maybe you can do something. I don't know. Trump should do something, though, because people from Portland are coming to New York and inciting violence. And now this 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 dumb woman, she's going to go to prison. I mean, I don't know if she'll actually go to prison because the DA is cutting everybody loose. You know, we'll see. Kraber, uh, an undergraduate at Rice University. Her father is a psychiatrist who teaches at Columbia University of Psychiatry, and her mother is an architect at a prestigious Manhattan firm. The family in 2016 purchased a $1.8 million apartment on the Upper East Side and also owns a home with four fireplaces in Connecticut. Well, bravo to her family. I wonder how, how her rich parents feel about their daughter. How would they feel if they graffitied their townhouse? One law enforcement source told the Post. This girl should be the poster child for white privilege growing up on the Upper East Side in another home in Connecticut. This is the height of hypocrisy. You know what? I tell you this. I know a, a decent amount of far left progressive individuals, um, females, pro Antifa, violent rioters, and they're rich. I know probably like three or four. And I think it's kind of hilarious. They don't understand hard work. They've had everything handed to them. So all of this makes sense. They're sitting there in their, you know, uh, loft up on, you know, I don't know, Upper East Side, Upper West Side. 
It's very expensive area. All the celebrities are living there. They're thinking to themselves, I've always gotten whatever I wanted. Why can't we just do that for everyone? Not realizing you're rich, dude. You know, my favorite thing about these these people, because I, I, I mean it when I say I know some of these people, not her specifically, but I know these wealthy, you know, upper east side New Yorkers, these young women. And it's like, I tell them as I'm sitting atop the 70th floor of like the Trump Tower or whatever, I don't know how many floors it has, 50th floor. And I'm like, we're talking about this stuff and talking about these lefty things. And I laugh and I would say something like, dude, you're rich. Like what, like, why are you, why are you acting like, you know, anything about the working class struggle? And they'd be like, dude, I am not rich. You do not understand. And I'm like, we're on the 50th floor of the Trump building. There's the, the, look across the street. That's the UN. What do you mean? You're not rich. Well, my parents are rich and you live in this building with, with like door, door people and celebrities and you have money in your bank account that you did not work for. Well, it's not like I can buy a yacht or something. No, but you have a luxury car. This is what this is. Here's the thing. Listen, these young people think because I can't buy a mega yacht, I'm not really rich. I just get $10,000 a month from daddy put into my expense account. So I can buy the shoes that I need, but the shoes are normal. I'm only making 120 from my dad and doing no work. But middle class median in New York City is 140,000. Therefore, I'm actually poor. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you think I'm exaggerating? They actually, they actually believe a lot of these things. My parents pay my rent for my my, my Williamsburg apartment, and I have keys to my fancy loft overlooking the UN building. But I'm broke. No, you're not. It's like, dude. They, they order out every day. They get whatever they want. This is not surprising to me at all. I bet she thinks she's poor. I, I, she'll say something like, well, my parents are like exploiting the working class. So I'm broke. No, you're not, dude. You live in the you, you, you live in the Upper East Side and, and, and you have a house in Connecticut. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to put it on her. I don't know what she believes, but I think the story is hilarious. Well, I'll tell you what. Where do you live? Connecticut or New York? Because if you live in Connecticut and that's your official address, well, you cross state lines to commit a crime. Friday's demonstration was organized by groups calling themselves the New African Black Panther Party and the Revolutionary Abolitionist Movement. Police say that demonstrators started out at Foley Square, where they lit trash cans on fire and scrawled graffiti, including the word abolition. You know, I, I, I don't want to get too brutal, man. I've been to some of these countries where you got no police. Let me just tell you about what life would be like for someone like her. You know, the world is not safe and the world is particularly not safe for young, white, wealthy females who venture off into faraway lands with no security and no police. And we see this all the time. Now, there's there, 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 there is a decent argument, I would say, in the dangers of world without security and police. There was a story about some women who went hiking in Morocco. Well, they lost their lives, to put it uh, uh, bluntly or mildly, to say the least. When I've done this hostile environment training stuff, when I've consulted with security experts, they typically tell you, men, well, you just die because that's what's what use do you have? You're in the way. They'll take your stuff. Women, on the other hand, women get to live as property when there's no police and nothing to stop this. And you go to these countries, you know, in certain areas of the Middle East, North Africa, if you become property. I, so there are questions about which, what is worse, being enslaved or being killed. I, I don't know. I think that's going to some people would rather, you know, die on their feet than live on their knees. Some people would probably just struggle to like, would, would prefer to survive, even if it meant they were captured and, 
used by men in these places. I know I'm, I, 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 maybe I'm getting a little too brutal, but it's got to be said. This young woman would not want, she does not understand what she's advocating for when she calls for abolition. They're, they're calling for abolition of police, mind you. She doesn't get it. The, the people are going to ransack her homes and burn them to the ground. They're going to take everything she has and then she'll, bad things will happen. I'll just put it that way. Bad things will happen. We live in a bubble. And, and I've said it before, but a lot of the progressive policies we have only exist because we've secured our space and we are safe. And that's a good thing. But these people are going, so, are going too far, smashing and destroying things, taking away that security. People are going to call for a, a harsher. It's going gonna, it's gonna to result in a right wing surge. And it probably already is. And they will not like living in, this, in, in, in that country. You know, I think it's silly. They always mention the handmaid's tale as if that's what would happen. It, no, it wouldn't be like that. But it would curtail a lot of their freedoms and their rights if civil order breaks down women's rights will be set back. Rights for so many groups will be set back. And they're doing everything in their power to make sure that happens. The more violent they get, the more people will call for a right wing government and a police state and authoritarianism. I guess uh, uh, it's a lesson she probably won't ever learn because I don't think we're heading. I don't think it'll get that dark, but maybe we'll see what happens. We will see. And then maybe they'll truly understand. But for the time being, she's facing prison, I believe four years, they say. So uh, maybe she'll get a dose of reality when she spends some time in the slammer. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. I really don't care for all the George Soros talk that goes around on the right, because there are many wealthy people who fund many things we often don't talk about. I mean, you've got the Mercers. I think Peter Thiel funds some stuff. I know he does big tech or whatever. You've got the Koch brothers. We get it. And there are many other people on the left, Tom Steyer, Mike Bloomberg. There are lots of rich people that fund lots of things that I don't like. It's really, it's really irksome to me that everyone's like, but what about George Soros? And I'm like, and what about Mackenzie Bezos? And, and what, what, what about the Mercers? Come on, man. Rich people do this. That's why I don't like money in politics. I don't know how you solve that problem, but I don't care what political wing they're a part of. I just don't like the idea that individuals have that much undue influence over our society. However, there's something I do find interesting. You see, I remember hearing all these stories a while ago about how George Soros was donating to many campaigns of district attorneys, uh, allowing these far left district attorneys to win their races. Now, what are we seeing? Well, the editorial board for the New York Post says literally this growing number of district attorneys are out to undermine the law, straight up calling out George Soros. Wow. Well, normally I don't care to bring up one individual who funds things because everybody does. I'm going to read you the story mostly because isn't that crazy? People were complaining he's going to get these far left district attorneys in and this would happen. And then it did. Not really a conspiracy theory. I don't know if you could call it a conspiracy, but it's happening. The New York Post says one reason for the surging, often protracted violence in U.S. cities is the rise of a host of progressive prosecutors who actually tilt against law and order. The trend is most glaring in places known for their kooky left wing politics like Portland and San Francisco. But extreme leftists have also taken over as district attorneys in cities like Chicago and Boston. Many owe big thanks for their elections to funding from far left fat cat George Soros. In Portland, violent protests have dragged on for months thanks to the idiocy of Mayor Ted Wheeler, who let hoodlums drive him out of his own condo, but also to Multnomah County DA Mike Schmidt, 
who dropped charges against hundreds of people arrested for offenses like interfering with cops, disorderly conduct, criminal trespass, and rioting. Schmidt also made it harder to prosecute assaults on cops. That, to me, is the craziest thing. In Contra County, California, outside San Francisco, DA Diana Becton will now consider looters' needs when weighing criminal charges. At Politico, she and four other black female DAs from Chicago, Boston, St. Louis, and Durham actually slammed the very criminal justice system they were elected to enforce, ludicrously claiming it was constructed to control black people and people of color, and that it's now doing just that. The Bay City's DA in Ch- uh, is Chessa Bowden, the son of Brinks robbery cop killers, who was raised by radical weather underground leaders Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. Wait, what? Really? Wow. He, too, has adopted rules making it harder to prosecute suspects. This is just the, the dissolution of the U.S. There, there's no justice in letting criminals go. There, there, it, it's, it's not re, you know, restorative justice. It's nothing like that. It's just de- it's destabilization. It's chaos. Chicago State's attorney, Kim Fox, who vowed to cut the jail population, dropped 35% more felony cases than her predecessor over three years, including that of racial hoaxer, Jesse Smollett. Now, hold on, because I am a fair individual, I must point out a large portion of that were nonviolent drug offenses. I actually agree with that. Now, in a sense, look, I don't know if it's up to the DA to say it is a crime. I will not pursue it. If it's a crime, maybe you should. It's not because think about it this way. She's dropping cases against people for nonviolent drug offenses that are crimes. I, I don't like that. I like the idea that people who are like arrested for pot don't go to jail or whatever, because I think it's dumb. And I think Trump should pardon the bulk, the bulk of these people after a review to make sure it wasn't a, a plea. But yes, pot should be legal. A lot of things should be legal. I'm I, I, I'm reticent. I don't, I don't know. I'm reluctant to say that we should legalize all drugs. I'm not that libertarian, but I get pretty close to it because I think rehabilitation and health care is a much better solution. And I think people can do what people, you know, on their own. But there are limits. Anyway, the point is what I don't like about what, what she did is that if it's illegal to like smash a window, should she be like, I'm not going to prosecute those crimes ever again. Well, those are victim. You know, those crimes have victims. And if she's going to be releasing a lot of these people on nonviolent drug offenses, I get it. But she is not the legislature. The law is set by uh, by people we elect, not I mean, we elect her, but it's not her job to decide what the law is. It's her job to prosecute people who break the law. So she is not the king who can just decide who gets punished and who doesn't kind of as the D.A., but I believe she should charge, you know, go after people when they break the law if they do. And we need to have reform on all of these laws. They say, fortunately, Gotham's DA haven't gotten quite as reckless yet. But the threat is real. Last year, Queens came this close to electing Democratic Socialist Tiffany Caban, who vowed not to prosecute low level crimes and forced Melinda Katz to shift that way too. Manhattan DA Cy Vance stopped prosecuting fair beaters back way back in 2017. Brooklyn's Eric Gonzalez embraces pretrial diversion, shielding folks nabbed for minor offenses from prosecution and diverting even some gun suspects from criminal punishment. Now, there's an interesting 2A argument right there. He's not going to he's going to divert some gun suspects. I, I, if you're a 2A, a staunch 2A you know, absolutist, how do you feel about that? Again, I defer to if it's the law, don't break it. 
And like with Portland, this the, 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 the crackpot killer who, who killed the, the Trump supporter, he should have been held on these illegal gun charges. Though I, though I think we shouldn't focus on the gun issue, the issue is more so he's a murderer, so charge him with murder, we'll focus on that. There's an interesting argument about should he have even been arrested in the first place if 2A says we can bear arms. And you got to recognize too, if it says you can, you will see things like this dude going around with guns. And you will see things like instead of having mace, the Trump supporter would have defended himself with a firearm. More people may have gotten hurt and it may have just been a mutual, you know, shootout or something. But it's interesting about the gun stuff in New York. On Tuesday, Bronx DA Darcel Clark said she'll move to drop disorderly conduct and curfew charges against 300 protesters at a June 4th rally. Meanwhile, rioting, looting, arson and physical attacks have plagued the city's cities for months. Murders in metro areas are up sharply. July was Chicago's most violent month in 28 years. New York, too, is seeing stunning spikes in homicides. Voters often focus on big races for president, governor, Congress. But DAs are critical to public safety. If voters don't elect prosecutors who will enforce the law, count on the chaos to keep rising. And this is why I highlighted in my main segment how important it is when we see local politicians and local office switching from Democrat to Republican. It's because of this. Well, you know what? You reap what you sow. These people in these cities keep voting for it. Maybe they'll learn their lesson now, but I really don't believe so. Because who's going to run against them? That I blame the Republicans for. This should be a Republican supermajority time, or at least the next election should be. The Republicans have every, every opportunity to go to, to, to go to New York and win. Now, some have said New York is in play. Some have argued California is. I really doubt that. New York may be because New York City has been decimated by the by an uh, a, a ineffectual governor and mayor. And that's being nice, inept, insane and malicious, maybe maybe more apt. So what are people going to do? Are they going to vote for the exact same thing? That'd be surprising to me, but maybe they will. And that's the problem. I think many of them will just keep doing it. I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi. The lady can barely talk. She slurs everything she says. And, I, and I'm not trying to be ageist or whatever, but come on, man. She, you know, to quote Joe Biden and then drag Joe Biden. Come on, man. These people are too old for this office, but they just keep getting reelected. So I'll tell you what's going to happen in New York, in, in San Francisco, in Seattle, in Portland. People are just going to be like Democrat. They're not going to care unless there is some kind of ideological shift, hardcore, that sweeps this nation and finally snaps people to attention. Stop just blindly voting Democrat. But I'll tell you what, man. One of the things that is helping, that is contributing to the potential for civil war is that Republicans and Democrats alike abandon areas where they feel they can't win. Then what happens is these areas become entrenched supermajorities that will never change and they'll fall apart and get angry and they'll fight each other. Republicans need to start going into these areas. Republicans need to start campaigning in these blue areas. Kimberly Klasik is doing it. She's in Baltimore. She's 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 a Republican. She's conservative. If she wins, it'll be huge. There, in many of these jurisdictions, there's nothing to even vote for. Like the, the Republican who ran against Ocasio-Cortez apparently didn't even have a website and didn't even do anything. Are we going to start seeing people actually stand up in blue areas and say, I'm an alternative to this madness? Because if there isn't, then what do they vote for anyway? And these DAs just end up winning by default. Nah, I'm not going to go and live in these places because if people there don't understand the reality of what's going on and they keep doing this, well, that's their choice. 
And I'll respect that. It's my choice. It's, it's also my choice, my decision, whether I stay or leave. And you know what? I will leave. And I'm going to go out in the middle of nowhere. That's the plan now. Things are moving along. It's actually uh, uh, going pretty well. We're very, very close to getting set up. Temporary studios being built. Full on legit studio is going to be built soon. So it's going to be very, very exciting. But I'll tell you what, it's things like this, the riots. That's why I'm getting out of Jersey and I'm moving to a rural area because I'm, I'm done, man. I don't want to live anywhere near these lunatics because people in these cities keep voting for it. But I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all next time.